welcome back to 100 Centuries, the History Conversations podcast. Um, I'm Connie B. Dowell, um, and for this episode, it's, it's just me, um, and Stephen B. Dowell will return for the following episode. And um, again, welcome back to the first of our spring episodes after a bit of a hiatus where, you know, we weren't doing a whole lot. We only had a baby and published a book, and um, so it, it's been kind of a crazy um, time. So the last time you heard from us, the um, the baby was still on his way, and now he is uh, bouncing. Baby boy getting bigger every day. You might hear him a little bit in the background, that I'm trying to record this during his nap time. And today, uh, I'm just going to start off with kind of a, a short, quick um, solo episode. Um, well, if you remember a previous episode where we featured two middle grade verse novels that were set in different historical periods. Today, I'm going to talk about two young adult novels um, that regular prose, um, again, set in two different historical periods. Um, and for the those unfamiliar with the term, young adult just means novels for teens. So it's not genre specific. It can be any genre of story, just stories featuring teen protagonists and with a primarily teen audience. So today we're going to talk about Under the Painted Sky, or Under a Painted Sky, I'm sorry, by Stacey Lee, and The Cure for Dreaming by Kat Winters. So starting chronologically, um, we're going to start with Under a Painted Sky, and that takes place in the 1840s, and it is a story of a Chinese-American girl who is running westward because she's been accused of murder and the cops are on her trail and she teams up with a runaway slave and to avoid suspicion the girls disguise themselves as boys and then they end up teaming up with some cowboys headed west to try and find gold um, as part of the gold rush so they are, they have you know many adventures along the way, um, trying to not blow their cover to the boys, and trying not to avoid um, to avoid the police. You will just have to read the book to see whether they're successful. The next book, The Cure for Dreaming, is the story of um, a girl who becomes more and more involved in the suffrage movement in 1900, um, and this takes place on the West Coast in Oregon, and her father is very, very much anti-suffrage. So as the, mo the more her father doubles down, the more she becomes um, committed to the suffrage movement. But, of course, the, being a Cat Winters book, there is kind of a creepy twist. Her father takes her or doesn't take her. Her father hires a um, hypnotist to hypnotize the suffrage out of her. And what the hypnotist actually does was hip is hypnotize her so that she sees the world the way it truly is. And so when she comes out of her hypnotic trance, the hypnotist looks normal. Most people look, no many people look normal, but some people 
um, take on the faces of monsters. So there's a lot of hypnotism tricks. Um, there's some interesting backstory for the, the hypnotist involved. Um, and the creepier the book gets, the more her father pushes, the more she, who begins the book, is kind of shy and mostly obedient and just starting to show signs of rebellion, um, fights back more and more and more. So again, you'll have to read to see, does she um, retain, get some form of independence? Does she retain her sanity? Um, and how would she do that? So um, I'm spotlighting these two books. Um, I'm putting them together because they're both stories um, of fighting oppression in different ways. Um, so the, the first story, Under a Painted Sky, um, there's you know, a, a lot of um, a lot of racism in the book. As a Chinese American, even passing for a boy, um, the main character really has to she has to navigate a world of expectations and stereotypes, um, subverting them or letting things go as um, as needed to get by. And of course, then there's the more then there's the more extreme oppression faced by the other girl in the story who has been enslaved all of her life and is separated from her family and is fighting just to be a free person. And then in The Cure for Dreaming, there's obviously the fight for suffrage, the fight for women's rights. Um, so there's some awesome things I'd like to say about both these stories. Um, and then a, a few critiques as well, because no book is perfect. Um, so some awesome stuff that I saw in these two books. There was male-female collaboration in both of them. And so there wasn't really a story of, and this sadly happens so often, especially um, in a historical environment, where you have this like really kicking female hero who, who seems really awesome, and then the male character just saves her. But they were really saving, in both cases, they really, there was a lot of saving one another um, and working together instead of a protector-protected relationship. So there wasn't a single person you can point to as the hero of the story, but everyone kind of making a team effort. And some, some less um, awesome stuff about either of these books. I felt like... Under a Painted Sky started too quickly, which seems like an odd critique um, because normally you kind of want to get to the action pretty fast, but it got to the action so quickly that I didn't care too much about the characters yet. And I actually really had to push through the first chapter um, because I just thought, oh, this is, is this an action book? I don't know who these people are. I'm not sad when I should be sad. But the more you push through, the more you get to know the characters and care about the story. So I'm glad that I did push through that first chapter. And The Cure for Dreaming didn't have that same 
too quick start. So I did care about the characters when things started to get going, but I felt like it resolved too easily. I didn't want to give away the, the end of the story, but you read it yourself. Maybe you can comment on this episode and agree or disagree. I felt like it was, it was too easy to, to fix that there should have been more pushback from some of the people who were pushing back. Um, that people people don't change their minds that quickly, and it was this big problem that just got resolved too fast. But all in all, I felt like they were really excellent books. Um, after I had pushed through the, the first parts of um, Under a Painted Sky and pretty much the entire read of the cure for dreaming you know i would i was staying up to read to to go through the pages um which says a lot because i uh i've got so much on my reading plate that if it doesn't grab me within say the first 25 percent of a book i gotta toss it aside but these really did and i was reading them speedily and getting all the way to the end um and they're also kind of excellent entry points, you know, for a teenager who is interested in the history behind this, um, the history of people migrating west, um, the history of people, you know, searching for gold in that 1840s gold rush, and what life was like on the frontiers and in the old west for people of color. Um, and for women, because uh, so much of that history that's passed down, you know, it, it's history written by the conquerors, the white men, um, and not by more marginalized people. And so it's good for them to hear that experience. And The Cure for Dreaming is also um, an interesting entry point into the whole showmanship era um, in the early 20th century. Although technically... Um, we can argue about whether 1900 was the last year of the 19th century of, or the first year of the 20th century, but early 1900s would definitely be the appropriate term here. So in the early 1900s, hypnotist acts and all kinds of acts and showmanship that's maybe a little bit shady and the crowds that it attracted. It's also a good entry point into talking about the suffrage movement, um, where it started, um, and it's an appallingly long road, as well as the, um, it's really easy when, when you're a kid and you're in school, um, when you're a teenager and you're in school and you, you hear about the suffrage movement, to only talk about the, the conflict as though it was women versus men. Um, and something that this bring, book brings up, um, and something that I brought up in um, my own novel, um, is the existence of anti-suffrage women. And this is a good entry point to talk about the motivations, why someone would argue against their own enfranchisement, um, what they had to, to gain from that, and what, you know, how would that kind of phenomenon came about. So those are our two books. This is um, our super short entry show. Um, we've got bits and pieces of um, another 
show recorded and we're going to finish patching that together and um, editing it and making it nice and we will have that back out for you in a little bit. So it's nice to be back. Um, if you want to comment on this episode, uh, you can do so at 100centuries.com. That's 100 centuries spelled out, not the numbers. Um, or leave us a um, ratings or review on iTunes um, or Android or whatever um, podcast catching app that you like to use. Um, so thanks for listening. That's all for this time. Bye-bye.